Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time that may be, wherever you are. My name is Craig Hagen, and you're listening to Raymond's Weekly Podcast. I'm sitting here with Tony McKinnon. We call him T-Mac. I guess, what's, what is today? The, July the 13th. July the 13th. Tuesday, July the 13th. We're taping today's program. It's a kind of a warm day outside. Yeah. But it's July, you know. July. And actually, it's not even 100 degrees outside, so we're doing good oh, in Oklahoma. I'm 60 in my truck. 60 in your truck. Yeah. <laughs> the cool seats. Yeah. Air blasting. I just woke up. Yeah, I forgot about that. Some of you don't know T-Mac's um, um, his ritual. He takes a nap every every day every day in your truck yeah even on the weekends i know <laughs> just go out and sit in the garage take a nap no yeah so so you turn on the cooled seat you cooled know? seat yep yeah yep. so napping style so are you sleeping or meditating well i, I i'm sleeping let <laughs> <laughs> start out with a little bit of meditation <laughs> And we drift yeah. into a deeper realm. So, so, so do you recommend all, all our listeners? On- I recommend the nap. It, it will extend your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, is it a nap or a siesta? Uh, I guess the length has something to do with that. So it's probably more like a siesta. So what happens if you have a lunch appointment? Well, the, well I, I schedule lunch appointments around my nap. <laughs> <laughs> so see, things you would never know if you didn't yeah. listen to the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. T-Mac takes a nap. T-Mac takes a nap. Every day. I, so in the weekend, do you still take naps on the weekend? Yep. But in your own home, right? Yep, in my chair. In your chair. Yep. Like an easy chair? Yep, it's still 60 degrees in there. I just <laughs> paid the light bill. I can tell. As long as I can afford to pay the light bill, I will not be hot. Well, it's not a light bill. It's an electricity bill, by electricity the way. Electricity bill, excuse me. Yes. You, I mean, you cultured people. Yeah. It's still, <laughs> it's still, there's still light lines, not power lines where I come from. All right. Well, once again, we thank all our listeners for, for listening to us. If you want to send us an email, you can um, email us at um, podcast at rhema.org, rhema spelled R-H-E-M-A, or you can like us on Instagram and Facebook, and you know you can also talk to us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Start napping and let us know how it works for you. Yes, Leo. So let us know. Give, give us a nap testimony. Yeah. yeah. And hear your nap testimony. <laughs> yes. Well, today's guest... Um, we have um, Pastor Zach Morris here. He's, he's our youth, youth pastor. Now, he's not the Zach Morris that was on Saved by the Bell for some of you, because you know, it's, it's, it's an audio podcast, not a video podcast. We won't let you know. So he's not the Zach Morris that for some of you that grew up in my generation and the Saved by the Bell character. But we have Pastor Zach Morris. Zach, it's so good to have you with us on the program today. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So, so Zach, what's your story? You get saved at two years old or... or yeah. um, um yeah my story is uh i grew up um uh pk um my grandpa he actually just uh uh, stepped down and handed over the church after about 50 years of ministry and um my uh we were always a part of my grandpa's church my dad was always filling in as associate or youth or just about wherever he was on the board and things like that and so i kind of grew up pk life and so uh you know when you grow up that way you know you know uh you kind of wonder Sometimes, like, have I always been saved, you know? But, you know, of course, we always have that no-so experience. And But uh, um, anyways, I... I uh, well, let me, let me yeah. cut in here. Go ahead. So growing up at PK, did you want to go in ministry? Or was that a desire of your heart, especially when you're younger? Or, or For the longest time, absolutely not. I did not want to be in ministry uh, I at mean, because growing up as a PK, you see a lot of the, 
the horrors of ministry or the, the bad side of ministry. Yeah. And so I, I know myself, um, I wanted to be a fireman, you know, for a long time. And then I changed my profession. I wanted to be um, a CEO. Um, actually, I, I just actually want to be a millionaire. Um, <laughs> no, that was actually people asked us, well, Craig, what are you about 12 years old? They say people ask you, well, Craig, you're going to be a minister when you grow up. You know, I'm like, no, I'm, I want to be a millionaire. And, you know, not that I can, you can't be a millionaire minister, I guess, but, you know, you'll be talked about a lot. But in, anyway, um, <laughs> and so they said, well, a millionaire, I mean, that's not really a job occupation. I said, well, I don't care what kind of occupation I do. I just want to be a millionaire. Yeah, make some money. Yeah, you know, but but ultimately I, I kind of wanted to, you know, work for a big company, maybe mm-hmm. be CEO. You know, I like California at the time, so I figured, you know, I'd move out to, to California and, yeah. you know, work at some you know, high rise building in LA or something, you know, yeah. who knows that. But but I'm assuming you probably thought the same thing. Maybe not being a millionaire or, or living out in California, but probably yeah. some, something besides being a, yeah. a minister. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean and you know this, you know, when you grow up PK you kinda lived in the fishbowl and, you know, I think the hardest part was watching a lot of people in church one day, you know, acting saved and things like that and then watch them live a whole different life on the side and, you know, you kinda questioned a lot of it you know, and growing up into that. But, you know, one thing that was really cool about um, my growing up experience was um, really the influence my my grandpa's ministry had on so many different lives. Um, Actually, he had a church called Lighthouse Temple uh, in Council Bluffs, Iowa. And at the time, I was just, I was really little when it really took off, but it was the most influential church in all Southwest Iowa. And uh, it grew so, so fast. We were having three to four services on a Sunday and we would have revival meetings and I'll never forget being in those as a little kid in the back. My dad would be sitting there and we just have, I mean, just moves of God where people would come in from all over the place and uh, new people every weekend. It felt like I was meeting new people all the time. And we, I, as a little kid, man, I watched services where just continuous like demons were being casted out. People's lives just completely changed. I mean, the anointing my grandpa had was, was super powerful on his life. And, and, uh, we just saw crazy moves of God. And of course my grandpa, um, actually what was really crazy was my grandpa, because of the church influence, he started getting a part of like the whole area. They started wanting to establish casinos and things like that. And it was actually my grandpa's, uh, church and him meeting with the people uh, of the town that actually pushed back the start of a lot of casinos. My grandpa prophesied to the people. He said, um, the moment you put in casinos will follow, what will follow will be strip cup, strip clubs, and then you're going to lose your major businesses of this area. And so they held it back. But my grandpa ended up um, uh, transitioning to a church in Des Moines, Iowa. And when that happened, casinos came into Council Bluffs. Sure enough, strip clubs came in, and then all the businesses moved to Omaha, Nebraska, which was right across the river from Council Bluffs area. So uh, my grandpa and uh, grandma and stuff, they had a very um, powerful ministry, and it was really cool to be a part of that because I, I, uh, it's what really, really developed me with the things that I, you know, see and operate in today what my grandpa um, walked in and still does. Um, but anyways, you know, uh, my dad kind of being a PK too, um, my dad was totally, he saw a lot of uh, phoniness, stuff, stuff like that. He actually started, he's found himself drawn to more of like just more heavy word, like Baptist side of things. Um, my dad was just a solid teacher. And uh, so one thing that was really cool was my dad's love for the word of God um, 
establishing that in me and doing, he had people over for Bible studies. They just get in like debates on the word and just, I would sit on the hearth. All the kids would be outside. We lived on a farm where all the kids would be outside running around the yard and stuff. And I'd be sitting there on the hearth absorbing the battles. And sometimes I'd get so, so, uh, into it as a little kid, uh, I would try to chime in and not really know what I'm talking about. Uh, the guys would school me, but my dad would uh, do that. So man, between the moves of the spirit with my grandpa and uh, the depth of my word from my dad, um, I, I grew this love for, um, the authenticity of ministry. So though there was a lot of hurts and a lot of pains, um, you know, um, that's what held me through that. And it was in my high school season that I, I rebelled pretty bad. Um, I started hanging on with the wrong wrong crowd. We would go out to ponds, you know, drink and do all sorts of awful things. And and uh, it was actually um, my junior year, junior summer, summer camp, um, that I fully gave my life over to God for the first time. Um, and uh, I'll never forget, I was sitting at... Um, I was sitting in the back of the service and there, Josh Gresham, he pastors Trailhead Church. Um, he, I'm actually having him speak here at Summer Blitz this year. I'm super excited to see him, but he was ministering at a summer camp and I was sitting in the back and I kind of didn't want to be there. You know, I kind of had that attitude and <laughs> um, it was so funny at the at the uh, end of the service. It was a powerful service. At the end of the service, I, I came up to the altar and rededicated my life and I truly meant it and I'm sitting back at the seat, and he gave another altar call. He said, if you believe you're supposed to be in ministry, I want you to come down front. And I'll never forget, like, I did not want to because I was actually, at that time, I was being looked at for two full-ride scholarships for track and wrestling. Um, those are the two I was just, I was really, really good at. The open 400-meter dash, man, I, I was, that was my race. And I, and I was like, I'm going, I'm going to college. I'm going to be running in, uh, no, athletics. I'm going to be running in track and I'm going to be doing some wrestling. So, but when he, he said that I couldn't get away from it. And I went up to the altar. I'll never forget. He was spending about one to two minutes with every single student and talking to them, praying to, with them about, you know, the call of God and stuff. And he's going down this line and he gets to me and he looks at me in the eyes and he says, Oh, you already know. And he keeps on walking. I said, no, get back here. I said, I don't know. I, and, and I did. And I walked back to that seat. I sat down, and it was just the voice of the Holy Spirit. He said, Zach, I don't want you to go back to public school, which I thought, that's not God. You know, that's not right, right? And um, um, I ended up uh, getting my phone back at the end of the week, and I called my mom. And, and I was like, this is a joke, right? Like, I got two full-ride scholarships. What do you mean don't go back to public school? And little did I realize I, he was trying to get me away from the crowd that I was hanging around with because I would have went right back to what I was doing. And, uh, I, uh, man, I, uh, got my phone back and I called my mom. I told my mom what God did and, uh, told her that I wasn't supposed to go to pa- pu- back to public school. She said, God actually spoke to me a couple months ago about that. Zach, she goes, when you get home, I have two, uh, homeschool, uh, online homeschools. I want you to look at, I was like, God, like, Whoa, like God already spoke to my mom about this. And so I just thought, Holy cow, that's crazy. And I got home. Sure enough, my mom already had two places and there was this one, um, it was in Georgia called Faith Academy. And I ended up, it was one of the hardest decisions I ever made, but it was probably one of the most important decisions I ever made in my life. 
and I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that decision because, um, man, I got, I got like reamed by my coaches. Reamed. I lived in a small farm town, about oh, not as small as Joe Dunnick's the way I heard on the last podcast, <laughs> but that was pretty small. But we had about nine hundred people, and so, and I was a big athlete in the town. And when everybody got, I started getting made fun of, picked at. My dad would get phone calls saying, why isn't your son coming back to play? You know, the coach actually cornered me. Um, I came to weights in the morning. I wasn't attending school. I was doing online homeschool, and, um, but I still came to weights. He cornered me, and he said, you're throwing your whole life away. He said, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. He goes, you can barely pass your classes. He goes, athletics is all you have. And I said, well, I, pre- you know, I, you know, I, I appreciate you coming to me, but I said, I know, I know what I'm called to do. I'm supposed to go into ministry. And, and so, uh, in that time I started doing this, I'll never forget, um, KMA land, which is this sports radio down there. Um, state track came up and as a junior, I placed third at state. Um, and the, the two who beat me were seniors. And so I was predicted to come back and win no problem. And uh, state track came at Drake Relays, and there he's being interviewed, the coach. And the interviewer, I'll never forget, I was sitting on my couch, and the interviewer says, what happened to Zach Morris? He's supposed to come back and win this thing. Like, where'd he go? And my coach said, through a series of poor decisions, Zach's decided not to return to public school. And I remember I was mad, confused, mm. kind of frustrated, because, like, I was being obedient, right? I was saying no to... Um, what nobody else would say no to full ride scholarship stuff to pursue ministry. And, and I was mad. Started asking God, what the heck, you know, what are you, what are you doing to me? And, uh, um, he just said, trust him. So I, I'm a couple months later, uh, church actually reached out to me to start interning at there. And I knew that that was a step. And I I went there and ended up being a Rama church. And uh, it was Pastor Mike and Joan Calstrip in Oakland, Iowa, called Fellowship Church. And what's crazy is, is during my rebellion season as a PK, um, uh, I told my dad I didn't want to be a part of his youth group because I needed <laughs> to go find uh, Jesus for myself. And he didn't like that too much, but he, he let it happen. Um, and this is where I went and I found uh, Fellowship Church in Oakland. And it was a Rhema church. And and so I started attending there as a teen, and that's where actually um, summer camps came. And at the specific summer camp that Josh Gresham was at, that the Lord spoke to me, was at the Raymer Ranch. And uh, our church drove eight hours to come to church camp down here. Wow. And uh, yeah, we, it was it was crazy drive, but it was worth it. Um, and I'll never forget um, that year, um, I think it was 20, 2012, no, it was 2010. 2010, God called me into the ministry at a Rama, at the Rama Ranch, at Rama Camp through Josh Gresham. And then the year after that, we came down again um, right before the Rama Ranch was kind of closed off to other youth groups. It was one last year I was there. And that year, it was during a service where I got filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. Um, I didn't know what was going on, and I remember feeling so overwhelmed. And I actually left the service because I didn't want to get filled with the Holy Spirit in front of everybody. I wanted to keep that part of me private still, you know, and I walked outside and I leaned up against a tree right there on the Raymer Ranch and I just started speaking out in tongues for the first time. And, and, uh, and so Rama started, it was, it was there at those camps that Rama started like, 
I, I wanted to start figuring out what's the roots of Rama. So that's so when you went to Pastor Mike's church, that's when you intersected with Rama. Yeah. Because okay. my grandpa is old school Pentecostal, mm-hmm. you know, and then he grew up kind of um, more around the open Bible um, uh, camp. And so um, so that's where I got, yeah, introduced to Rhema. And then, of course, Josh Gresham had a huge impact on my life. So I started listening to him, which I knew he was, you know, Rhema. And he married uh, Anna Huffman, uh, Anna Gresham. And I got to meet Josh Gresham, who, again, uh, was another one of those speakers. And I started following him a little bit. And. Uh, Pastor Brian Kalshrup was uh, is Pastor Mike's son. He was friends with them, and so, man, I just got involved around that group of Rama guys, and they're all living these lives of integrity. They're great husbands. They're great leaders, and they impacted my life. Did you call him Hammy back then? Yes. Yeah. We called him Hammy. We know him as Hammy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I was gonna say Hammy, um, and uh, so um, when I started interning there at the Fellowship Church. Um, you know, my grandpa's ministry still going, my dad with him, you know, but I'm kind of separated going to this Rama church. And um, uh, I was doing all sorts of things, stage design, mowing the lawn, maintenance, all everything. And then they came up and they said, do you want to teach in youth? I was like, oh, man, I I don't want to preach. Like, I'm not a preacher. Like, I And I couldn't. Actually, the first time I ever preached, it was a seven-minute sermon. My hand shook so bad because I <laughs> gripped the mic so hard. And... My eyes started watering halfway through the seven minutes. So at seven minutes, I actually just said, well, I hope you got something out of that. Let's pray because <laughs> I was so nervous. And um, But one thing they told me, they said, in order to start speaking more often to our teens, you have to do Rhema correspondence. So they actually paid for it. And I started doing Rhema correspondence. And, um, and, I, and halfway through, or actually I... Not more than three quarters of the way through doing Raymond Correspondence, I started reading Brother Hagen's books, Kenneth Hagen's books, and Pastor's books, you know, and um, and they just impacted my think the Believer's Authority. I remember sticking out, and then I believe in visions was still probably one of my favorite books, um, and uh, I was just blown away. And then I found that they were holding a Jesus Culture Conference here while I was doing Raymond Correspondence, so I actually took off down here first time ever first time ever to tulsa and uh i'll never forget i went with some friends and we're from the country we wore you know boot cut jeans and boots and all that stuff and they said they're like they're like hey uh i know we're going south but right around that raymond circle they're like it's skinny jean nation down there man he goes (laughs) all the young people they're like you got it so i remember i'll never forget that we actually went shopping they changed my attire or whatever they're like you got to dress hip whatever because all the teenagers or the young people are hip down there so I actually walked into Rama for the first time at a Jesus Culture conference, and um, uh, Kim Walker, you know, Chris Kalala, you know, like it was just a powerful time. And I was sitting, I was sitting there, and I'll never forget like um, the familiarity of the church. I was like, "This is so surreal." It's like there's something about this place that they would do something like this, and it was probably my first time in a church that big. You know, just the size of it. That blown me away as a young person. And um, I went back and I was reading one of my last books from Rhema Correspondence. And God spoke to me up in that office and he said, I don't want you to just do correspondence. I want you to go. And um, so I went into my pastor's office. I said, hey, pastor, I said, "Um, this is what the Lord told me to do. And I said, I feel like I'm supposed to go. And 
uh, they didn't want to lose me, so they were nervous about it. But uh, I, I, didn't, I just was obedient. So I came in 2014 to Rama, and uh, 2014, um, uh, the first year just changed my life. Um, just sitting in class and coming around these people of like precious faith who believe the same way, the word of faith side of things, and the friends and the things that you meet and you have here, and the connections and the the classes were phenomenal on just so many classes i mean you're sitting here tony i remember you know your pastoral class you know was one of the ones that just wrecked me but also one of the funniest classes that i've ever been in my life <laughs> i sat front row seat of that that class and um it it just wrecked me and it was actually um my second year um i met ashley uh or halfway through first year i met ashley um and uh my wife and it's not Raymond Bridal Training Center, okay? So don't get that, that, hey, yeah, he met his wife here. Yeah, that just so happened to be. I wasn't looking for a wife at that time. It is an option. It is an option. Yeah. <laughs> Usually third year, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I met Ashley and um, um, came back second year, did pastors actually, didn't actually even do the student ministries program. And I look at it now, I'm like, I probably should have done that. And I'm in youth, but um, did the pastoral program and then I, uh, halfway through the second year, Ashley and I had plans to get married afterwards where I ended up having the options where either I could go back to my grandpa's church and help out there and my dad um, or um, uh, go back to the fellowship church because they wanted me to come back to be their youth pastor. And so, um, to be honest, that's uh, it's how I got to Rama and, um, you know, and then what this, the next step I took right afterwards. So for those of you who are listening, you know, and maybe you, you're feeling called, like maybe I'm called to ministry, or maybe I just want to learn more about the Bible. You know, if you'll just take your computer out, take your smartphone out, go to rbtc.org, you can find out plenty of information about Raymond Bible Training College. And also, we just ask that you'll give us your email, give us your phone number, and we'll have one of our student ambassadors give you a call, talk to you about Raymond, um, maybe try to set up a, a time you can come and visit us on campus. Because I know just like... You know, Zach said that so many times once people come to campus, that's when God really ministered to them about, hey, you need to come back. And there's just something about campus here. I mean, you know, just, you know, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, obviously it's the anointing, but there's just something about campus that, that's, that's different than, than most things. And by the way, Zach, um, I actually was in the, um, I went to, well, they call it the traveling ministry. You know, now it's called evangelist back, you know, back then. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, I've taught Besides my financial management class, I mainly taught youth classes yeah. for, for all the... I'm sure I was teaching youth class during your time. Yeah. Um, even even after I quit doing youth ministry, I kept having <laughs> to have youth class. And every year I'm like, hey, Denise, do you, do you want um, to take this class back or something? <laughs> you know, but just kind of yeah. is what it is. But, um, you know, I know that I, I really enjoyed... I only did one youth class for a long time, which was... Um, and basically, it wasn't talking about how to minister. It was talking about how to work with your pastors and, and, um, and work with parents because, you know, that's the most important thing, part of youth ministry. If you can't get along with your pastor and, and the parents, then you're probably not going to make it in youth ministry. Yeah, so true. But, um, so while you were at Rhema, I mean, you know, obviously you, you were at a Rhema church before you, you came. Mm -hmm. I mean, did you learn a lot or a lot of things that you didn't think that you, you would know? Or, or, I mean, you know, yeah. during time here, I mean. Yeah, I would say I learned, um, you know, of course, you know, um, I learned a lot more of the, I got actually a lot more of the spiritual 
aspect of it, you know, out of it, you know, um, more of the word of faith background and really, you know, um, really the thing I, I got out of it most was that, you know, really kind of how to take my, um, take my faith and make it applicable to my life, you know, um, how to apply it was what, how, what I really got out of it the most, you know, um, how to read the word of God, you know, how to believe for things. I, you know, I'd learned that here. I also learned, you know, um, I also just learned, um, really from the, the instructors, what it meant to live a godly lifestyle, you know, when you, cause to me, I guess, um, I'm not so much big on the giftings and stuff more so than I am on the integrity and the consistency of a, of a man or a, of a minister, just because of being a PK, you see, you know, you see all the giftings and stuff like that, but yet you see the lack of integrity in a lot of areas. And so to be honest, I love seeing the integrity and the application of the word in the life of the ministers, of the teachers and stuff like that. To be, I respected that. To what I respected, I really received from. And so to me, just watching people really live it out was what captured me the most about being here in these classes. So when you were a student, did you volunteer at all in, 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 yes, in the I, area, in the church? I actually served in JV okay, uh, so, with Will Post, actually. All right, so so you were involved in the youth group, yeah. but but you, you went into pastoral ministry. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was kind of... Yeah, kind of weird. Um, I actually really wanted to be in varsity. I just wasn't old enough. I wanted to be under Rob and stuff. Um, I want that's where I wanted to be. But no, I served with Will, um, uh, in JV while I was here. And what what Zach is referring to is that, you know if you are a younger student, we we prefer you work with the um, with yeah. the ju- junior high um, age areas because um, a lot of times you know if you're if you're, you know, just only 18, 19, 20 or, or whatever, it's just, it's just not as, mm-hmm. you know, cause a lot of times some of the guys are, are there to, you know, to have a relationship, you know, there's, there's girls there and it's kind of not, not a good thing. So yeah. that's kind of, kind of what our rule is, is we let, we point, kind of point you toward the, the junior high. Yeah. It's um, wisdom. Yeah. It's yeah. Wisdom. yeah. Um, but you know, one thing that, I, thinking about it, it just sparked in me was, um, kind of how God really worked those kind of those full circle moments. One thing that was really, really cool was, um, to the, the, the church I went back to church, I interned at, you know, the fellowship church was in my hometown. And, um, when I left, um, came down to Rama and returning back there, what was really cool was, is I'm right back to where I was when I was making all the horrible decisions I was making rolling with the wrong crowd. But I really felt like this call while I was there to really impact those friends that, you know, I was around in high school and stuff like that. And um, it ended up going a step further where they ended up building the high school that I was in. They ended up moving it um, and rebuilding it behind, right behind our church, like right in the backyard. And um, because I attended that high school, um, I actually got to go back and I went to every single one of my teachers who, because I was a class clown, I was a, I got in so many fights in high school. I was this huge fighter. I, I mean, I graduated with so many detentions, you know, in school suspensions. Like I just got in fights all the time. So I actually went back and I got to see the same teachers, same coaches, the same principal who I sat in his office with and I actually go through and apologize for the, the person that I was and, they said they'd never had anybody ever do that. 
And so I actually got to show them the testimony of God's, you know, uh, transformation power in my life. One thing that was so crazy was, and it's kind of a, it's a sad story, but it's a full circle moment. But um, kids started coming to our youth group, started growing really fast from the high school. And there was a girl that came, her name was uh, Megan Clint. And she ended up, um, she, she came in for like a couple weeks and she ended up getting saved in one of the services. Her parents didn't come. They weren't a part of the church. She just showed up. She ended up giving her life to Jesus. Two weeks after she gave her life to Jesus, uh, Ashley and I actually just got out of the NICU with our firstborn, Nash, and I get a call, literally walking out of the hospital. I get a call, says that um, her bus driver, who was my bus driver, his name was Donnie, um, b- backed out of a driveway into a ditch. It trapped the door in the ditch, and he, while he was spinning the wheels to get out, the bus actually caught fire. And um, it ended up um, it ended up burning him and her alive inside of the bus. And oh, the man. parents, when they came out, um, they were trying to get out of the window. But because of how the bus was tilted in the ditch, the ditches are pretty big. They they couldn't get out, and the family had to watch that. Had to try to get them out, but they they couldn't. And I'm I'm wrecked because I she's one of my students, and man, I. And two, I was exhausted. I just got on NICU. I was up for like three nights, four nights straight with my firstborn trying to fight for his life, you know, and I get this call. And and, and he's okay, right? Yeah, he's yeah. fine. He's, <laughs> I'll he, make sure everyone knows that. He's <laughs> more than okay now. He's he's running the roost right now in the house. But, uh, yeah, no, he, um, um, I, I get this call, and um, um, I, I go with my pastor to their the parents' house, and we're sitting there, and I'm just, like, listening to him talk, and I'm just, like, grieved in my heart for him, and, I'm just hurting for him, the whole family. And her sister attended the church faithfully, actually, her older sister. That's how she got connected. And they said, who do you want? Um, uh, they're like, who would you like to do the funeral? And I'm 20, 20, 21, I think, at the time. I'd never done a funeral in my life, you know. And uh, they're like, uh, we want uh, Zach to do it. And I said, inside, I'm like, no, you don't. I was like, First of all, like I can do a funeral, but can I start out with one where the guy lived a great life, you know, <laughs> and I went to heaven? Not this, you know. And so what was crazy was is the funeral, they decided to hold it in my old high school. And it ended up being broadcasted on like three to four different news stations. And then um, everybody from the community that I grew up with um, attended that com- um, of that funeral inside the high school gym. And it was full, and so all my old teachers, all my old coaches, all that stuff came into this. Even the one that trashed you on the radio. What's that? <laughs> Even the one that trashed yes. you on the radio. Okay. Him, him specifically, <laughs> him specifically, and uh, I, I stood up and I remember um, giving the message, and I said, you know, there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain, and I said they're both very real. And I said, but I want to stand here with assurance, you know, and boldness to let you all know that um, Megan shunned hell and she gained heaven. And, and I was with her and I said, I got to hold her hands. The service, she came in, she came up to the altar and she held my hands. And with tears running down her face, she gave her life to Jesus two weeks. I said, so I can tell you with assurance today in this gym, I said that she is with God. She's with Jesus. I said, she would want nothing more than right now. She would want nothing more than all of you to choose Jesus to make Jesus the Lord of life, because we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised next week. I said, but she would want you all in heaven with her. 
And I'll never forget, like I was young, like I was like being looked at cross-eyed, you know, like what's this coming out of this, this guy's mouth? I was shocked myself. I was like, I can't believe I'm talking like this. And I gave an altar call, hands went up all over the gym and I watched teachers and coaches and stuff that I was in and, uh, and, uh, raise their hand and they all confessed and made Jesus the Lord of their life. And, um, I was in the like the reception or whatever afterwards and um that that coach who came up and cornered me in the hallway and he said that you're throwing your life away athletics is all you got you know he came up to me and he and he said I want to apologize he said I'm so proud of you he goes out of all the kids who graduate from this high school uh he goes you actually went and did what you said you were going to do he goes I'm sorry he goes I just want to let you know I'm proud of you he gave me a hug, and it was a full circle moment. It was like I knew God brought me back. And so from that moment forward, I actually had a foot in that high school where I was going up um, almost every other week to uh, minister to kids who were going through stuff. I actually got to sit in the high school and minister kids and bring them down to the youth um, there for quite some time. Led, um, um, I actually did the, um, what do you call it, the FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I would lead a Bible study um, there in the morning, and then I also led another fellowship of Christian athletes in a, in a school 15 minutes away. So I would actually get up, um, 5 AM. I would go to one school, be there at six, six, six thirty to lead one. I'd go to the next one with donuts, you know, and lead it there. They're just all trying to bring Jesus into these schools. And, uh, and we saw the fruit of it. It was really cool full circle moment that, you know, once being the rebellious partier, you know, who mouthed back at the teachers and got fights in classes, got to come back and actually show the love of Jesus and show the transformation that Jesus can make in someone's life and, uh, and watch the whole community see that. I thought that I said, God, I knew God. Um, even there's times you wonder if you're right in God's will. Like it was moments like that, that, you know, you're right smack in the middle. So what Zach's saying is it's, um, better to circle forward than circle back. Circle back. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't circle back. Talk yeah. I mean, <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. Yeah. <laughs> you kept talking about full circle moments and kind of remind me. Circle back. Circle right. back, girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so that's, that's pretty awesome to be able to go back to your, your hometown where you basically were. I mean, see, I can't imagine, I mean, knowing you, I can't imagine that's how you were in high school. So, yeah. Now, I can imagine Tony was like that in high school just because. <laughs> they, and they, we didn't get no in school suspension. They sent us home. Yeah, they three days, home. Three days, babe. Something yeah. about they wanted me to to get my grades up or something. <laughs> uh, three 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 day suspension for fighting, three spike, three suspensions, and you get so. Oh yeah, that was high school. Oh, I got fight school. stories. I could. Did you get squats too in high school? Oh yeah, I got they got whipped in high school. Yes, sir. Saddled up. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a whole nother generation mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, <laughs> different generation. Yeah. See, I, I was the good kid. And in fact, I remember elementary school, one of the teachers sent me to the principal's office, Craig, go see Mr. Carr's principal, Mr. Carr, and get his paddle and bring it back to um, class. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. And so I went to said, hey, I, I need the paddle. And it's, so Mr. Carr had this paddle. And so I'm holding this paddle and I'm looking, there's signatures all over the paddle. So the whole thing, if you got SWATs, you get to sign the paddle. So I'm looking at all the people's names that I know and people, you know, so it's pretty wild. So wow. that's awesome. I, I brought it back, you know, to the teacher. <laughs> and so she was like, 
it was one of these things showing you the paddle what's going to happen if you, yeah. I mean, you know, but different generation. I mean, you know, that was you got SWATs whenever you got that's right, right. So, but that's before you know that that, that was okay back then. Was it child abuse? Yeah, he's right. Yeah, um, and so actually, um, I, I so I was there in Oakland for uh, four years, um, three and a half years there. Um, uh, I'll never forget. I was at a it was summer camp. It was my third summer, no, actually fourth summer camp there, and um, I was leading prayer morning and night for the students at summer camp. And um, it was 2019. God God spoke to me right in the middle of that. And he said, um, change is coming. And I, I wrote it down and didn't think nothing of it and um, just wrote it down, put it on the shelf, you know, and uh, went back home and told my wife what God was saying. And she said that a couple months ago she was attending, attending Kindle the Flame, actually. And God spoke to her and she said that, um, uh, that there would be uh, – we would be somewhere that had an effect internationally, basically. And I said, and, and "Let me let me stop you right there." Yeah. For for those listeners, Kindle the Flame is our w- annual women's conference here at Raven Bible Church. It's um, actually every September. I think it's the last week, full the last week in mm-hmm. September. I'm not sure the exact dates, but just to kind of throw that out there, because you know we kind of throw things out. And people always, you know, think we know what they what that means, but yeah. you know, if you're a woman and you want to maybe come to the women's conference, um, you know. Kindle the Flame is coming up. September the 23rd through the 25th. The 23rd through the 25th. And while we're throwing it out there, if you happen to be a man and want to go to the men's conference, it's November 4th through the 5th. We call that call to arms. All right, back back to you, Zach. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, my wife said that we would be somewhere that had an effect internet. That's what God said to her at Kindle the Flame. And so I said, ah, we'll put that one on the shelf too, right? And um, I'll never forget... Um, November rolls around after that summer. That was in July. November rolls around, and we had a person who we respect a lot, just in you know in the faith and in ministry, um, came up to us and they and they said, "Hey, um, I was praying the other day, and take it as it is, you know." They said, "But God spoke to us and said that your 2020 would look exactly like your 2014." Those are the exact words. I said, "Well, that's." I said, "That's." Uh, that's interesting. I said, well, we had a, I said, Ashley, what do we do in 2014? She said, well, we actually moved to go to Raymond Bible Training College. And I said, well, I must just mean there's a, might be a move coming. I said, if it means anything at all, that's what it might mean. It's just a big move, right? So um, then in February, um, yeah, it was February, I woke up one morning, just do my praying. I usually wake up like every morning, 5, 5.30, now not all the time. Cause now I got kids, so like they can beat me up to that hour and <laughs> don't get to do that. But yeah, you I, should you should take nap. Yeah, I should, <laughs> hey, you take naps for me, Tony, because <laughs> I don't get them too much too often. But um, so I got my coffee. I'll never forget. Um, I walk out. Uh, I sat down. Didn't even start praying, and it was just clear uh, as day. God said, "You're on the edge and you're on the verge." And what was crazy was, is my grandpa contacted me in December and he wanted me to take over his church. And because he was stepping down, and I obviously felt that weight really heavy because he's my he's my grandpa, you know. And um, I uh, I was praying about that, and then of course Ashley's parents they pastor uh, they were pastoring Indianola in Indianola, um, Iowa, um, for about twenty years, and then God called them. They're in Minnesota. They're planning churches along with the ministry. They're actually planning their own church right now. Um, 
but I thought, you know, I'm like, hey, I, you know, my grandpa wants me to take over his church. We could follow Ashley's parents to go help him plant this church. And then I had like two other job offers. And I'll never forget, I was talking to my pastor about every single job offer that came. I said, hey, this came, you know, I'm praying about it. I just want to let you know, include you in on that and stuff. And, and, uh, but every single one of them, and the hardest one was my, my grandpa. I'll, I was praying about it and I'll never forget. Um, I just felt in my, my spirit, he said, it's not yours to take. And I t- called my grandpa and I said, I said, uh, this is what God spoke to me. And I said, he said, it's not yours to take. And my grandpa said, yeah, I know, but I guess I just wanted you to take it because, you know, you're, you, you know, you're my grandson. Yeah. And, uh, I said, I know. I said, I'm really sorry. And my grandpa goes, no, he goes, it's best to be obedient. It's best to follow God. And so my grandpa had a really hard, I remember his heart for him, but he ended up turning it over to the youth pastor, I think, um, there. And, uh, he's an awesome, awesome guy. He's doing a great job right now. And I talk to him often and, uh, he's doing a great job. My grandpa actually travels and he actually teaches a little bit other churches and helps support them and stuff like that. And so he's doing traveling and stuff like that now, but um, that was so hard for me. Um, and I kind of felt like, okay, God, if that's not it, then what else is there? And then, uh, God told me no of following Ashley's parents. I was like, okay, you said we're on the edge. We're on the verge. You know, there's, we thought a big move is coming. All these things are lining up. And literally about two weeks after I had that frustrating conversation, I was like, okay, what, what is all this change talk? Lord, I keep hearing it all the time. You know, we're on the edge, on the verge. I said, but the biggest options are you know, obviously you said no to, and then I get a text. Um, it's actually DK is the former youth pastor here. And he said, Hey, I want you to want you to come take my spot as the youth pastor Rama. And I didn't even have to pray about it. The light bulb just went off and I knew I was like, and I, I actually, my response was, is I cried for like four weeks because I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going back to, to, to Tulsa, Oklahoma. But I cried mainly because I love the kids so much that we're there. We grew from six kids to like 72 kids. And these 72, these kids were my, you know, like they're your kids, you know, you, you, you help them, you change their life. And the, I, so I, I cried about it and I never forget. Um, I, I, I didn't want to go. My wife's like, it all makes sense. Like it all makes, I said, I know it does. And I know I'm supposed to go, but I don't want to go. And uh, I'll never forget, I, I was arguing with God, and he said, Zach, if you don't go, you're being disobedient. I was like, fine. So I actually uh, threw in my application, and I knew it. Soon I threw in my application. Miss Niece called me, like, immediately, <laughs> and she wanted to schedule an interview. We actually did our interview over the phone, and she'd never really met me. She just knew Ashley, like, never met me at all. Uh, actually, no, I take that back. I spoke at Summer Blitz 2018. She met me there just talked briefly there, but she more knew Ashley and, uh, she offered me the job like right away. And, uh, I remember like, it was so surreal. I was like, I did not realize that our 2020 would look exactly like our 2014. So, so what you're saying is you were circling back before it was cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, before it was cool. Yeah, for for reals, and so and, and Pastor Denise may not know you, but she did talk to me. I said he's a good boy. Oh, hey, yeah, thanks for sticking boy. up for me there, <laughs> Pastor Tony. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, we, I took that word off the shelf, and I said, "Man, this is exactly like we're literally moving 
right back to Raymond Bible Training College. And so, um, man, it happened really fast, and we ended up here and um, came in, you know, JV, varsity were split at the time, and then, um, you know, a lot of changes were going on, and, of course, now we're merged. But, you know, I'm I'm here, and I can tell you what, like, this last year has been, like, the best year of my life, you know, for me, my family, but really just ministry. Like, what God is doing right now in the youth department is uh, it's unexplainable. It's pretty It's – I'll just say it's, it's uh, honoring and it's humbling to be a part of something so amazing. I mean, and what God spoke to Ashley, that we would have an effect internationally, we didn't realize that, like, that meant, like, at an international ministry – and so it's, it's uh, I'm humbled. I'm honored to be here right now, even with you guys, and uh, you know, being able to influence so many different uh, kids and, and people like that. So. Amen. And, you know, not only get to influence kids, but also you get to teach. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and that, I think that's one of the greatest things that, that we get to do is we get to, um, you know, we get to help other young and even older, you know, folks, um, you know, try to pour into all we know, and then you're going to train them for ministry, you know, and yeah. specific, you know, for you, it's, you know, student ministry or youth ministry, and, you know, um, you could have a, a huge influence not only on on your own youth group, but also future youth groups, you know, yeah. you know multiplied down down the road, so it's always, it's a unique thing. Yeah. So if, if I come to Rama and I feel called to go into the youth ministry, you know, how does that work? I mean, you know, I know how it works, but yeah. But ex- explain, you know, how we kind of do our our stuff here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so basically, um, we are uh, second third year program. I think this year's uh, um, third year program student ministries. And so you come and you just attend first year. You know, just your core classes, I believe. Um, and then you take a specific second year, but then student ministries, you know, being um, really specific to children's and youth, um, one thing that we, well, I think since me and Miss Denise, you know, kind of uh, started talking about this year, um, what we want to teach and stuff, and even what I taught last year, because I, I mean, I wasn't ready to teach when I got here. I didn't know I was going to be teaching. Um, I thought I was just doing youth. So when I threw it in, I was like, okay, I, I said, I got to be honest. I said, I'm just going to teach what I know. <laughs> so um, got in the classes. So one of the things that, the, one of the main things we focus on, or I focus on specifically in student ministries is teaching a lot of the natural side of be, being a supportive pastor, being in a supportive role at a ministry. Because I think one of the um, number one things that wipes out youth ministers, even associate pastors today, is not the fact that, you know, they're not gifted or they're not good speakers. Most of the time they are gifted and they are good speakers, but what actually wipes them out from the purpose and call of God on their life is they they really don't know how to serve someone else's vision. They also don't know how to um, be willing to do the very natural sides of ministry um, and really all around what ministry really is. Like, they don't understand that. So I have a very natural approach to mine as far as what I teach, you know, um, really the basics, like how to, um, how to support your pastor, how to support a vision that's not your own, how to, um, lead up. You know, I also talk about, you know, how to, um, build a team, 
I talk about how to um, bring people around you and actually believe in the gifts that God's put in them because to build a ministry around yourself, you're immediately putting a cap on top of that ministry and actually the success in growing or or uh, your youth ministry is actually finding people around you who are gifted in the things that you're not and empowering them to do those things. Um, and because really what's amazing is, is that we're all really... Um, you know, a unique expression of the character of God. And so um, I'm not Tony, Tony's not Craig, Craig's not me. But when we come together, the different things that God's put each one of us, um, the church gets to benefit from that, you know, and so the kids are the same. And so one thing I I teach heavily is uh, not to make ministry about you. Um, So how to support your pastor, always direct to them, but also at the same time, how to build your youth ministry, not around you, but around the people around you. Um, so that way, if something ever happens to you, you know, you move, you take off, um, n- nothing skips a beat. You were just a vessel. It just came in and out of you. So I spend a lot of time on that teaching in student ministries because I've watched so many young people um, not really, really step out of the call of God and the ministry God had for them because they don't know how to um, support somebody else's vision, and they also don't don't know how to uh, not make the ministry about them. Um, I think it's about them. And, you know, one thing, too, because, like I said, I used to teach some of the classes, and um, one, one thing I found out that yeah, we're specifically talking about youth ministers, but you could relate that to, like I said, associate pastor or children's yeah. pastor, because it's all the, all the same thing, because you're really working on yourself, not yeah. necessarily how to minister to this group of people or that group of people, but how to follow someone else's vision. In fact, whenever I took over um, as the youth minister, well, I did a couple of times, but, um, but when I was teaching, um, one of the things that we, one of our classes, we actually had a class, and so we, had, we did a resume to get people prepared to go out to, to you know maybe, to uh, interview for jobs, mm-hmm. and so at the point in time, one of the previous youth ministers, they also made the youth um, students do a um, a vision statement. Like this is my vision. Mm-hmm. I, I got rid of the vision statement because you know I, I actually I, for first couple of years I, I did it, and then I'm thinking, well you know if you're taking over a job for a pastor, it's not about your vision. Now, right. now, I mean, I, you know, maybe if your vision it coincides with the vision for the pastor, but really it's about his vision, it's about fulfilling, you know, his or her vision, it could be a female pastor, you right. know, and, and so I, I got rid of that because I said it's not about your vision, it's about the church's vision. And so you yeah. need to get behind the pastor's vision, and if that's something you can't get behind, then you should go to another church. Exactly. Because, you circle back. Yeah, circle, you circle back. Yeah. That's right. Or, or you maybe need to be a pastor yourself so you can have a church that you, yeah. you can support. Yeah. Because I think that's the biggest thing is so many youth ministers see youth ministry as a stepping stone oh, to become yeah. a real pastor. Yeah. And, um, you know, and like you said, one of the hardest things is actually moving on beyond your youth group, you know, knowing that, but man, you, you helped get some of these people saved, some of the people, you know, started attending because of mm-hmm. you, but really, you know, what you're saying is not really because of you. Right. And that's what we need to get our focus off of, yeah. off of ourself and on the Jesus. Yeah. And something else I, I think is real important that, that we need to teach in children and youth ministry is we're not babysitters. That's right. Because there, there are a lot of churches that children and youth ministry has kind of become babysitting, you know, where we have pizza parties. Nothing wrong with having a pizza party, but, you know, have a pizza party, play video games and stuff, and we entertain the kids, 
while their parents are, are, are receiving from God. But, you know, it's important for us as children and youth to um, receive from God because we can. You know, and, and I actually, I taught my youth group that um, when I was doing youth, I said, you know, the time to start believing God for a new car is when mm-hmm. you're 12, mm-hmm. not at 16. You know, so, you know, people turn 15, maybe, you know, get their, get their, and then they start believing God for a car or, you know, or, or whatever. I said, start at 12. That's right. And, you know, because, you know, well, like, well, I don't see how I'm going to get a car. My parents can't afford it. I said, start at 12. I mean, you know, start using your faith. I mean, I I use my faith to to get train sets. Um, We we rode dirt bikes, um, you know, actually, first of all, bicycle, BMX bicycle, um, then then dirt bikes, um, you know, motorcycles, then ATVs, and then eventually I had car faith later on. But, but, you know, it it started with the train set. Absolutely. I, I bought a two hundred dollar train set. You know, not not your not your average train set. Two hundred dollars is a lot of money to spend on a train so set. Oh, you didn't have Thomas to train. Yeah, yeah. Even though you may have had Thomas to train. Yeah. <laughs> well, Thomas to train didn't exist back in, <laughs> in in my day and age. Yeah, I think you know, piggybacking off of what you're saying, um, it really does frustrate me to um, see churches not focus on their youth. Because it is the next generation, and I know we hear that. It, well, it is the generation, is what I like to say. Not the next generation. Next generation. It is this generation, and um, you know, to a pastor who does not involve himself with his youth, he is setting his church up to fail. Because if there is no relationship built between the pastor and his youth, when they graduate from high school, um, they're basically going to say. Um, I have no relationship with my pastor, um, and I feel uncomfortable going to his services. And so um, I'm actually just going to kind of go do my own thing for a little bit until I find where I belong, when really they should feel belonged by their senior pastor, um, clear from children's church all the way through youth. And so that's why I've done a little bit with what I've done since I've gotten here um, is like we do a thing called Wild Card Wednesday um, where we bring in different speakers for the kids to hear from because I believe that they should hear from different gifts than just my own. And one of the first ones I brought was Pastor. And to hear that Pastor had not been a part of the youth program um, or been in there for almost 15 years, and 15 years ago he was in there, I think, to correct a kid for, like, stealing some money or something like that, I was like, that's a problem. I immediately was like, okay, if these kids see Pastor in their element. Yeah. They immediately relate to him. And so on Sunday mornings, they're going to engage in what pastor has to say because pastor came down to their level and he ministered to them. And so now I heard so far we've had like, I don't know, six to seven wildcard Wednesdays or something like that. And the one still most talked about is pastor's wildcard Wednesday. They said, how can such a, how could a pastor of such a large organization be so humble to come down and, and talk to us. And these kids, the kids have that viewpoint. And so to me, like, I was like, if, if, you know, if you're listening and you're a pastor, like take time to go to your youth department, not just make them come over to you and listen, but actually go to your youth department and relate with them because you're actually developing in the future of your church um, for it to grow. And, and I, I will say when I was youth minister, we, we had dad, Every year he would come at least once a year and speak to the the youth back back then, not to correct the youth, but we did that ourselves yeah um, but um but yeah, so he did minister to the youth I, I don't know how many years ago 
I can't remember how many years ago I was doing youth, but <laughs> I actually had the privilege of doing youth on two different occasions, um, you know, o- over the span of our, our youth ministry. The first time was because the youth minister left on a short notice, and I was the youngest one on staff, so that means um, you. Yeah, you're, you're the youth minister, and that's that's what happens when, when you're associate pastor and be the youngest one on staff. So, in short notice, and so boom, I was youth minister, and they said if you don't want to be youth minister anymore, you need to find a youth minister. So that was the point. Yeah. And then that youth minister left, and so the they came back to me and said, "Well, it's either you can be youth minister or you can find another youth minister." So <laughs> I took took over the ch- the church for a while. I mean, the ministry for a while, and then we t- passed it on. But um, I'm gonna, we're bring you back um, next podcast. But before we go this evening, if you once again, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, you know what, I feel called to to go to the ministry. Maybe you feel called to the, to go to the youth ministry, or maybe it's you know whatever it might be, or maybe you just feel called to to learn more about the Bible. RBTC.org, Rama Bible Training College, is a great place to come learn about the ministry. Or if you feel called to the ministry, it's a great place to to learn how to go into the ministry. If you just Pick, take your phone out, take your, your device or your computer and go to rbtc.org, and um, you can fill us, fill, you know, give us your information. Um, you can learn more about the ministry right there, um, and you know, just, just let us know your email and your phone number, and we'll have one of our student ambassadors give you a call and you know, talk to you about Rama and how Rama can change your life. Well, you know, um, it's good to talk with you, Zach. And like I said, we're going to have you next program. We'll talk more about ministering to youth specifically. Um, but here at Rama, we're bringing hope, help, and healing to the world. God bless you guys. You have a wonderful day.